working at Swoop, um, you know, the demographic, you know, our employees generally are, are quite young, right? And uh, and and so, you know, I'd say I don't even know this, but I guess eighty percent or, or so are millennials, and uh, and so I'm I'm constantly in conversations. Um, and I'll, I'll throw out a year or something, you know, and, and uh, like, you know, they'll ask me about, you know, what, what was my first job in the airline business? Well, in 96, I was a revenue management analyst. And they said, oh, I was born in 96. I have these kinds of moments all the time or, um, you know, and, and so anyway, I have to just keep reminding myself that we, we are getting older, right? But uh, yeah. we're not old yet, but we're, we're getting older. Uh, that's too funny. No. Um, all right, no, 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 this is great. Um, I, we've just been catching up with Charles Duncan and he's the president of Swoop in Canada. And um, Kusha, myself and Charles were for Continental, um, I guess back in the days when we were quote unquote building the airline. <laughs> and um, so Charles and I, like every flight I was on, Charles was on for some reason. Because <laughs> we were... <laughs> We were just crazy, crazy flyers, and um, yep. and so I think that's how True. we that's how we became friends, and, and so and the same, very similar with Kusho. But before we begin, I wanted to introduce Charles officially. So um, I have some information I just want to read so you guys understand who Charles is. So Charles Junkin joined WestJet in June 2017 as the president of WestJet Encore. In 2018, August, he became executive VP and chief strategy officer before becoming the president of Soup. Uh, which is WestJet's ultra low-cost carrier, and this occurred in April 2020. As president of Swoop, Charles has accountability for all aspects of the business, including short and long-term planning, branding, pricing, product development, and operations. Charles will drive Swoop's footprint in Canada in support of the WestJet Group's uh, long-term strategy. In addition to being the president of Swoop, Charles also oversees WestJet Cargo. And as you know, Cargo is huge now in COVID times where he focused on the domestic and international growth of the airline's in-house cargo services. And prior to joining WestJet, which is where we met Charles, um, right. he had a long and successful career with Continental and then through merger with United. He navigated the commercial side of Continental business with roles in pricing, revenue management, network planning and sales, spending 13 years in Asia. In his last position at United, Charles was Senior VP of TechOps, where he oversaw the maintenance organization of 12,500 employees. Charles, thank you for being here. We appreciate it. Hey, it's, it's great to be here. And, and listen, Kerwin, this, this is my small way of, uh, of, of giving back because I visit the PassRider.com website more than I care to admit, and, and it's, it's the schedule function. So I, 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 uh, I, I'm constantly looking up uh, other airline schedules, and I find that your website is is the best for that. Uh, and uh, anyway, so so for all the times I've hit your website, and uh, anyway, I, this, this is a small. I mean, other than you know, I'm, I'm kidding, of course, it's great to connect with both you guys. But uh, um, but I'm literally I, I'm on the Pass Rider website. I'd say a couple times a week, you know, just pulling up a schedule and some random because I find it easier than having to log into Saber and all the other rigmarole. Uh, you know, it's just quick and I uh, can pull it up but uh, anyway well, it's been cool. fun to see what you guys have been doing well thank you Charles I appreciate that so I guess that means that I made it uh, geek friendly so that's good because <laughs> Charles knows his stuff <laughs> <laughs> so um we got a bunch of questions to ask about soup and I know Kusha is we, we, had, we had we actually asked a whole bunch of questions before we started but um Kusha had a bunch <laughs> of questions so Kusha take it away I'm gonna let you start I know you're waiting <laughs> So um, 
I don't, I'm sure you know, yesterday, uh, ANA in Japan announced yet a third airline within its group. Yep. And I've always been curious about this. How does an airline within an airline concept work everywhere except, it seems, the U.S.? Because we've tried, um, all the major airlines really have yes. tried in the U.S., and they've all failed. And yet, in Asia especially, and actually in Europe as well, it seems to be, I, I won't say thriving, but it seems to be moderately successful at the very mm -hmm. least. Now, this is the first example in Canada. So what do you think um, is the reason it works or it, and it doesn't work in the US? Yeah, it, you know, it's a great question. And, and we, have, we have kicked it around a lot up here. Uh, you know, in fact, when I was up um, in Calgary interviewing to join WestJet when, uh, you know, the, well, it wasn't even named yet, but when Swoop was announced. And, 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 and my, when I first heard it, I was like, oh my gosh, because, I mean, I started rattling off um, and, you know, whether it's TED or Cal, you know, Continental Light or <laughs> MetroJet or Shuttle by United or Song or Delta Express. I mean, there's, I mean, you know, you're right. I mean, every one of the airlines, yeah. I don't think American ever did one, but I think everyone else, maybe Northwest didn't either, but uh, yeah. you know, American bought Reno, they bought, uh, you know, other small, but they, they never right. had their own sort of, uh, yeah. you know, uh, airline within an airline. You know, I, I think um, if, if you look at the successful examples, Kushro, um, uh, and, you know, and, and what's so important for an airline within an airline to work is that it has to have, um, you know, a, a different business model, a different reason for being, mm -hmm. you know, generally, you know, and, and I think in most cases, it's going after, um, you know, lower cost, the ULCC market, the price sensitive traveler, you know, all of those kind of things. But it's important to do two things. I think uh, number one, to um, not confuse consumers. So, you know, not that it should be a mystery around the ownership, but it should be two different brands, different colors. Like we work really hard. If we're in the same airport, WestJet and Swoop, ideally we have ticket counters at the opposite end of the lobby. Like we don't want, we don't want the staff to be the same who are doing the check-in. We want, uh, you know, the ticket counters to be far apart. And this is all because it's just, it's two very different products, two very different experiences. Mm -hmm. And we don't want them to, uh, you know, get confused or, or, or get mixed. And, okay. and I think in, in the same way, it, it's also important in the back office and the decision-making that, uh, you know, uh, you know, in, in our case for Swoop, um, you know, we, we are maniacally focused on low cost. And, uh, and, and so, you know, we have to have the freedom uh, to make decisions that are very different than what, than, you know, in this case, what, what WestJet does, because we've got different purposes, you know, and, and, and right. so, uh, you know, and, and I think that, um, you know, when, when I think about these other examples in North America, um, you know, they've, they've, they've failed because I think that, um, you know, they, they've tried to sort of, uh, you know, just, just violated both of these rules, right? I mean, I think about Continental Light, uh, you know, where we all worked at Continental and, it was being run from the Continental headquarters, you know, and, and uh, um, it, it was kind of crazy. I mean, I think, you know, Continental back in the day launched business first and uh, a fantastic product, you know, in the transatlantic market at the same time they were starting Continental Light and flying into Newark with uh, an all economy product and serving Pepsi out of two liter bottles. And, you know, like just, just a very, uh, you know, it, it, it just, it, it's hard to sort of do the, do both of those things at the high end and the low end. 
at the same time well without confusing people, you know? So, so we, 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 it needs to be distinct and then have a real, a real reason for being, you know, and, and then to have the follow through. Yeah. Do you worry about cannibalization of parent WestJet traffic at all? Or are you catering to an entirely different demographic? Yeah, we, we really focus on a different demographic, uh, you know, and, and so, um, yeah, you know, and, and I'll tell you, I mean, up here, it's interesting, um, you know, it, you know, one of the big differences between Canada and the U.S. is the high degree of taxes and fees um, mm -hmm. on tickets. So, um, you know, there, there are many examples, but the, the most stark um, relates to um, the PFC in the U.S., the passenger facility charge is called the AIF, the Airport Improvement Fee in Canada. Um, you know, I think it's capped at $4.50 in the U.S., uh, you know, per, per, I think, one-way, you know, leg. Mm -hmm. um, it can be $45 Canadian, and, and they're all wow. increasing. All the airports are jacking them up um, uh, because of the COVID crisis. Mm -hmm. They've seen passenger numbers decline. Um, they're, they're moving up. I'd say the, the typical fee is 25 or 30, um, one way, but, uh, but, but it's, you know, there are 40 and $50 examples and all, you know, most of the airports are raising, raising them now. And so, I mean, and that, you know, the NAP Canada fees are higher than what the FAA charges for, um, air traffic, the security fees are higher. I mean, like everything's a lot more expensive, um, in terms of the taxation and the cost. And so um, when, you, when you come away from that, uh, the cost of travel domestically is quite high. And, and, uh, and so there's a real appetite for uh, what, what we're offering. And, uh, okay. and, and there, there's, a, there's a huge market here. I mean, one, it's, it's a massive country with a small population, you know, massive geographically. And so air travel is even more important. Uh, like the US, the rail network is quite, quite poor. So you don't really have alternatives. Um, besides driving, you know, in your car, these great distances. And so there's a need for air travel. And yet there's a whole lot of people who um, just can't afford it because the cost is so high. And, and, uh, and, okay. and so we're, we're providing a service that I think is really needed. And, and what WestJet's doing is very different. I mean, it, you know, it, it started out as more of an LCC kind of in the mm -hmm. Southwest mode, but over its 25 year history, WestJet's become a true hub and spoke carrier you know, we've got a, you know, a business class in the front of the airplane. We opened uh, a lounge yesterday. Um, you know, we've got a about barrier, we've got a wide body, you've got eight sevens yeah. going across with flatbeds. I mean, we're, WestJet is so much different than the ULCC space that, um, you know, we really, we're, we've got very, very different, uh, you know, customers we're targeting. Okay, so a passenger, sorry, go and I keep interrupting you, um, go ahead. No, it's okay, Krisho, because, and I think you're going to ask the same question I'm thinking, because you, <laughs> <laughs> don't work, Charles, this, this is the kind of how the show is, we're always interrupting That's each okay. other. Uh, you um, speak for yourself, please. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the talker, right? So the, the question I, that I thought of was, since you said that, you know, WestJet is in one area of the airport and Soup is in another, um, are there interland yeah. agreements? And if I buy a ticket on WestJet, can I, you know, easily connect over to Soup, or can I buy the tickets together? Yeah, yeah. So for us, uh, I mean, yeah. The short answer is no. And and, and uh, yeah. So we are. We don't sell connections. We don't airline. Of course, we don't co-chair. We are just super, super focused on uh, keeping the model simple, uh, having the lowest cost possible driving aircraft utilization, you know, all of those sort of things. And, and uh, you know, I, I certainly learned a long time ago, never say never, uh, you know, so, you know, down the road, I mean, you know, years from now, we, we may contemplate those things, but uh, today, just not, it's not on our, on our radar at all. You know, we, we are the point to point carrier. 
and all of those other things just will tend to add cost, slow us down, uh, okay. you know, and so forth. Yeah. So WestJet, WestJet points will not work on Swoop and um, let's say um, uh, uh, um, frequent flyer on WestJet will not be able to use the elevation lounge if he or she travels on Swoop? Correct. Okay. So there is almost maniacal differentiation. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, we don't have a frequent flyer program at Swoop, and and uh, you know, and 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 we're okay with that. I mean, yeah. I down the road, we you know we may, but I mean, all that stuff adds cost and expense, and and uh, our traveler is flying us once a year, and they just don't, you know, they, they, mm. what the price matters most, you know. Yeah. So that is how Swoop, not Swoopa, that's how Scoot, and Singapore started. <laughs> and, yes. and yep. things have changed over time. So we'll, yep. see, we'll see what's going to happen with Soup and WestJet. <laughs> Go ahead, um, so when um, Cohen mentioned that uh, you were uh, going to be a guest on this show, uh, subsequent to that, I read about uh, Stephen Jones, who was uh, yeah. deputy head at Wizz Air, joining mm -hmm. Flair, which really isn't a very established airline, if you will. Mm -hmm. Do you expect... Flair to become a formidable competitor, given how Wizz Air is really dominating a lot of traffic in Europe? Yeah, you know, listen, you know, I'll tell you in this, well, maybe I'll take a, a little bit of a step back, Kushro. Um, you know, the reason we started Swoop here, you know, uh, well, it, we've been flying for two and a half years, but, uh, you know, we, we announced it about three and a half years ago, the intention to start it. Um, was, you know, we wanted to be active in this space, you know, in, in the ULCC space in Canada. Um, and, and there has always been, um, you know, I would say at least one, one other airline operating in the space in these last few years, and then always two or three others that are, um, you know, active in, in getting organized and trying to set up, you know, and, 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 uh, and, and you know, I, I, I could rattle off a bunch of airline names, but, uh, you know, ultimately, Flair, you know, is certainly active in the market. They, they've been around for a long time. Um, they started out, and there are a number of airlines up here like this um, as, a, as a charter carrier mm. that was, um, you know, largely doing like kind of resource worker, you know, type of, yep. uh, you know, type of movements, taking people up to um, either uh, oil sands projects or uh, mines or even uh, big uh, hydro projects, you know, that are out uh, sort of like not in or yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, there there are a bunch of those, and so um, so so Flair has has migrated, um, you know, from that model, uh, you know, in, into building a ULCC, and and uh, um, you know, uh, I mean, like we welcome the competition. You know, it's probably the best mm -hmm. way to sort of uh, summarize it. And I think um, there's always, you know, they've certainly been here. They've they've been a tough competitor of ours, um, you know, for for a number of years. And you know, there have been others, like I said, who are rumored to be starting up and. Uh, um, we know there will always be people in this space, you know, to compete with. And we know that there is, uh, like I talked about before, an appetite for it. I mean, you know, the, 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 uh, the market here, you know, even before COVID, but I think after COVID, just given what's happened to people's uh, disposable income and, uh, you know, just the challenges mm -hmm. economically, I think the ULCC model is even, resonates even more. Do you think with the oncoming competition with OWG, um, Canada can sustain so many ULCC, so many airlines, period. I guess I mean, that yeah. time will tell. Time will yeah, tell. No, it will. It will. Yeah, no, and, and you know, I'll tell you, that there's been a long, we, we, we have at the WestJet headquarters, 
a list or like, a, a, you know, a, a, of all the fail, failed Canadian airlines. And there've been a lot, but I mean, it's no different than in the U.S. when you sort of yeah. think about how many airlines have started. So right. I, I guess some, some things are true on both sides of the border. You know, I mean, you know, lots of airlines start up, a lot fail. It's a tough, brutal business, you know? I mean, there's, there's yeah. no doubt about it. And, and, and this current environment uh, is a challenge for everybody, you know? Um, yeah. It, it really has It's been. brutal. I wanted to ask, uh, switch a little bit to cargo, uh, since you're um, also in charge of WestJet Cargo, right. and uh, we're trying to get um, some idea of, um, one, does Soup do cargo flights, and two, how is cargo doing given the current mm -hmm. pandemic? Yeah, uh, you know, so um, Swoop actually does not move cargo at all. Uh, you know, not, not even the belly of our, of our passenger flights. Okay. Um, and it's more of a, uh, well, it gets back to kind of just keeping costs low and, and not having, um, uh, you know, just in the beginning, um, you know, we decided that, you know, I mean, a lot of ULCCs do not move cargo. It's sort of one of those things, some do, some don't. Mm -hmm. And to keep the model simple, we chose to, uh, to not pursue it. Um, we are in the process of, uh, of, of, you know, adding that, you know, adding that service onto Swoop, um, uh, but it's not, not at the top of our priority list, you know, but, but I'll tell you like one of the, one of the interesting things, um, you know, we fly down to, uh, to Jamaica and, uh, you know, as an example, and also the Dominican, but Jamaica in particular, there's a huge demand to move, uh, uh, fresh fruit and produce from Jamaica mm -hmm. to Canada. And, and I don't think that business exists in the U.S. I think there's USDA licensing, different things go on, but Canadians are happy, uh, you know, happy consumers of, uh, of, of, you know, Caribbean produce, for example. <laughs> and, uh, um, and, and so, you know, that, that is a revenue opportunity for us, but we got, but we want to make sure um, you know, that, that it doesn't um, impede the other aspects of, of the business model and the operation, you know, and going after it. Um, so, so it's not there at Swoop yet, but should be, um, you know, here in the coming coming few months. Um, on the WestJet side, cargo has been strong. You know, it really has been very strong. Um, we have not done um, a whole lot of uh, cargo only flights, but we've been focusing on maximizing, you know, the use of the belly space on on uh, you know what flights are flying and and. Uh, um, you know, whether a pandemic or not, I mean, you know, e-commerce, uh, pharmaceutical, you know, medical supplies, I mean, all this stuff still has to move. And, uh, and we've been, you know, doing our part to help, uh, you know, help keep the country moving. Mm. All right, cool. And speaking of Jamaica, um, this week you started flights from Toronto to um, Abbotsford. <laughs> Given that you've chosen Abbotsford over Vancouver, yep. why choose to go into high-cost Toronto when you have Toronto Pearson when you have Hamilton, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's a great question, Kushra. You're, you're you're asking this just like an informed Canadian. I love it. You've uh, you've done your research. Um, yeah. So so look, uh, you know, Hamilton. Revenue management. Experience. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, Hamilton. Hamilton is interesting. It's. Uh, um, I'm trying to think of what you know of a comparable airport in the U.S. and I can't really think of one. Um, number one, yeah, you know, it is Stanford. the um, yeah, kind of, but, uh, you know, when I finish uh, describing it, maybe you may, you may disagree. Um, uh, it, it is the primary cargo hub, ironically, uh, for the country. So cargo jet is the primary, um, express overnight cargo carrier. It, it, it is their, their singular domestic hub. So it sort mm -hmm. of serves a purpose that Memphis would for FedEx or Louisville for UPS or, you know, Cincinnati for, mm -hmm. for Amazon and the others. Um, and so, I mean, all of the overnight cargo in this country 
moves through Hamilton every night. And, wow. uh, and so that, and, and it's, um, it's also in the industrial heartland. There, there are some audio uh, auto plants that are nearby and I've been on the ramp in Hamilton and there's like a ERJ that comes up every night, moving auto parts from a Mexican auto plant up to, you know, like the land, whatever's the, you know, just to keep the plant moving in Ontario. And I'm like, so this guy walk off with like, you know, literally flying ERJ. It's like one box of something, you know, they can carry out with it, you know, in two hands. So it, it's very much cargo, very much in sort of the industrial base. Um, and, uh, it, you know, it, it's, uh, you know, fantastic sort of what you'd expect. The passenger terminal is very simple, no jet bridges, facilitates quick, you know, in and out. The cargo business, it's busy at night, but not during the day when the passenger flights are moving. Um, you know, the, the uh, and, and we've done well there. We started out, um, you know, and we've been there for the first two and a half years. Our routes from there have done well. Um, the, the, maybe the, the thing that has surprised us about it is that people in downtown Toronto, or if you sort of got a map of what, what's called the GTA, um, the greater Toronto uh, area, or the six, you know, um, you know, is what it's also kind of, you know, the nickname for the area. Um, people, uh, it, it doesn't have a big catchment area. And so unless you live quite close to Hamilton, and Hamilton is a city of 800,000 people. So, you know, it, it, it's a legitimate city in its own right. Yeah. Uh, you know, unless you live sort of right there, um, it doesn't draw people um, there. There's there's very poor public transportation options to get to the airport um, and the traffic in the area can be quite bad, uh, you know, and, and so, it, it, you know, in effect for the for the broader metro area, um, they choose Pearson. And, and so our strong belief is that we can make both airports be successful because they the, the catchment areas um, in effect are distinct. So no plans for like a subsidized bus service between central Toronto and uh, Hamilton, like Norwegian or Ryanair or other airlines do? You know, uh, um, yeah, I mean, no plans right now. I mean, there, there is a service. I mean, there's a train that runs from downtown uh, Toronto to downtown Hamilton. And then there's a bus from downtown Hamilton out to the airport. So, I mean, That's one too much. Yeah, and, and part of the problem too is when when you um, uh, you know when you look at it, it's very much oriented towards rush hour times and like no service on a Saturday or uh, you okay. know it, it, it's it's there might be I'm making this up but two trains at nine a.m. and then yeah. a long a multi hour gap until the next one, so it's just not really well set up for it. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean you know it, it's it, it just mm. you know. Um, Others have tried to do this as well over the years. Other ULCCs have been in and out. And, and uh, you know, I mean, I think the best way to sort of think of it is Hamilton serves Hamilton. And, and there's a broader area. It's near Niagara Falls. And there's some beautiful uh, tourist opportunities and things there, wineries and whatnot, and, and some um, fantastic universities that are nearby. But it's, it is distinct. It doesn't draw um, so well from the rest of Toronto. So, um, okay. you know, but, but you're right. Exactly. You know, in the, we go into Toronto and it's crowded. It's, it's expensive. There are challenges there. And we've got to make sure that our, our model can work in that airport, you know, and, and pass on the higher costs. Um, mm -hmm. But we think there is a market for that. Did you have to build an entire immigration facility at Hamilton, FIS system? It, it already existed. It's okay. there. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hamilton has had uh, has had air service. Oh, I'm, I'm making this up for you know more than 20 years um, going way back. I mean, Norwegian flew in for a couple of seasons. They've actually had transatlantic okay. service for a short while. Okay. Um, you know, and, and they've, uh, you know, quite regularly had sun, you know, whether that's U.S. or, or uh, you know, Caribbean, Mexico type 
type of international mm-hmm. service for many years, you know, by, by a variety of different airlines, different okay. charter carriers and others, yeah. Um, so one thing we didn't talk about, Charles, is kind of, uh, we kind of jumped right into the conversation, but um, what services does Soup uh, provide? I mean, is it like, you know, you got to pay for, I mean, what do you pay for? What do you get? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, so listen, I mean, we, we, we are, uh, you know, pretty much a, a you know, a, a typical uh, bare bone ULCC product, you know, so that, you know, such that, you know, everything is, uh, it is sort of, you know, when, when you buy the ticket from us, you're getting the transport uh, from A to B. Um, and, and, and that's really pretty much it, um, you know, but we're doing it at, at incredibly low fares. So, um, you know, you'll, you'll pay for a seat assignment, you'll pay for a check bag, you'll pay for, um, you know, in, any, any of the onboard food, you'll pay to carry on a bag. Um, what else, you know, I mean, we, we, we certainly sell, um, uh, you know, like a product we call Modify, so that, you know, for, for you know, uh, flexibility in, in travel, we, we do sell that as an option. Um, and, you know, the one thing that we've been, uh, that, that we have added in, um, and it's just more of a, a quirk of the, the insurance uh, policies is we are giving everyone um, free of charge, uh, you know, so adding into the, you know, including into the fair, um, COVID related medical insurance for the international trips. That's um, my next which, question. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> so that, that, that is, you know, anyone who's on any international flight on, on Swoop, um, through the through the winter season, um, you know, I, th- I think our last date is uh, April fifteenth or something like this. I have to go back and, and double check it. Um, it. It's included in it's it, and it's a hundred thousand dollars of uh, of medical coverage um, if someone gets sick, you know, in, in the U.S., you know, due to COVID or or Mexico or you know our points in the Caribbean uh, that we get back into, and 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 that's just become sort of table stakes up here in the market. Um, uh, you know, in fact, I think pretty much everyone is offering yeah, something similar, um, you know, for that, this, this coming season. And, uh, um, you know, and it wasn't from a, just technically possible to, to, um, offer it as a, as an ancillary fee. It just, you know, the, by, by far the, uh, um, the easiest, easiest, quickest way to market was just for us to, to include it in the price they take it for everyone. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I understand that WestJet was the first Canadian airline to offer it. And then, not so coincidentally, Air Canada jumped in the very next day. Um, what I was really curious about, and I realized there are privacy issues and confidentiality um, issues to bring up. Do you know what percentage of passengers claim the insurance? And how do you know that they actually, how do you prove that they actually got it on the flight? Or Swoop slash WestJet was the reason they caught this infection. There's no oh, way you could yeah. prove that. Well, yeah, you know, it, it, well, I mean, that part doesn't matter. And I, I mean, I think, you know, we, we uh, I mean, you know, there's been so much research out there, you know, around the safety of, of uh, you know, of, of air travel, you know, from a, from a health and, you know, um, a, a spreading of the disease that mm-hmm. we're, we're not, um, you know, we certainly can't make any guarantees around that, but, you know, it's certainly not something that I'm personally concerned about, uh, you know, and, and mm-hmm. we can certainly talk more about how we're cleaning the aircraft and all the steps we're taking, but mm-hmm. this is more of just, I mean, if, if you imagine a Kushro, um, well, I mean, you know, you could have somebody who, um, you know, picked up COVID, in Canada and was asymptomatic and then actually got sick, you know, uh, in Mexico and, and, and needed to seek medical treatment. So, that, you know, so regardless of where it was picked up or how it was caught, um, 
if you know uh, if, if someone needs medical care due to you know due to COVID, um, we're we're providing you know the uh, the insurance you know cover for that um, you know while in for up to twenty one days you know so so you go to you know Mexico for a ten day or two week vacation and you have that peace of mind that uh, you know you won't be out of pocket those medical costs so. So that, that okay. that's really who it's it, it's meant just to, to be sort of like, you know, to give people um, you know uh, some peace of mind and and a sense that uh, you know they're 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 not going to have massive medical expenses. You know, I can tell you, um, you know, certainly you know, and, and speaking as an American who you know lives in Canada, uh, you know, we've got very different medical medical system up here, and you know, it's provincial, but effectively it's it's uh, you know socialized medicine or a single payer kind of model up here. Um, people are quite concerned, especially in the U.S., of what what a medical bill might be if they, you know, without without insurance cover, right? So, yeah. and a lot of the standard insurance uh, products specifically do not include uh, COVID, you know, and so this this is a way to provide additional coverage to, to give people peace of mind mm -hmm. to be able to travel. So that's good. Mm -hmm. And and speaking of COVID, too, Charles, you talked about the airplanes. Um, uh, what are your thoughts on social distancing in an airplane? as well as what Swoop doing to keep the airplane clean and environment and things yep. like that? Yeah, look, you know, it's a great question. Um, we never blocked the middle seats at Swoop, um, you know, uh, through the whole, the whole pandemic. We, you know, we, we never did it. Um, and, uh, you know, it was for, a few, I mean, a few reasons, but in the beginning of the pandemic, what was crazy, I, one, I mean, you know, our, our fares are so cheap um, and, and uh, that, uh, you know, a lot of people just chose not to travel and we had sky high no-show rates, even as we were canceling our flights and consolidating them down, um, we were seeing no-show rates of like 70%, um, wow. you know, uh, seven zero. And so there was in the early days, and I'm talking, you know, April, May, you know, even into June, um, our load factors were so low that social distancing wasn't really an issue. And in fact, it, you know, it, you know, had we, capped the flights or put a lid on them, we would have sold even fewer tickets, you know, um, and it would have made, made the problem even worse mm -hmm. because, uh, you know, now we did, we saw the no-show rates over time decline, um, you know, gradually, steadily. And then, you know, as those declined, we then added, added in a few more flights, you know, here and there, you know, I'm talking July, August, September, you know, and so forth. Um, and so we just, we kind of managed it that way. Um, we, uh, we listened to the travelers on the airplane. We did get some feedback, um, you know, some negativity around it. But I think by and large, people under, you know, when, when they were seeing more full airplanes, um, people understood it. They accepted it. If they weren't comfortable, we'd get them off the airplane before we departed, um, you know, book them on a different flight or something else. But, uh, um, you know, people have been pretty accepting, you know, I must say, uh, you know, of, of the lack of social distancing. And I think, um, you know, we, we've got other things. I mean, the masks are mandatory. You know, of course, we're checking temperatures of everyone uh, before they board. Um, we actually give people a uh, you know, kind of a Lysol wipe, but, you know, disinfection, you know, so they can actually wipe their own space down themselves. And this is after we've already done our own cleaning, um, where we're going through and fogging the aircraft and so forth. I mean, we're, we're doing, I mean, you know, so much that, uh, you know, most people sort of look around, you know, for the frequent travelers and say, the airplanes have never been cleaner, you know, between what we're doing ourselves <laughs> and then what people are doing, you know, uh, you know, on their own on top of what the airline's yeah. doing. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and then there's the other aspects like the HEPA filters and the way the air flows in the aircraft. And, um, you know, I found the, uh, um, it was quite, 
detailed and scientific, but this DARPA study that Boeing and United did with the, uh, the defense department, I mean, they, they modeled, I mean, all of the yeah. stuff and, and, uh, you know, um, it, it is quite hard to catch it on an airplane, you know, um, you know, there, certainly there are many other places in our day-to-day lives that are, um, more, more dangerous, you know, for <laughs> sure. Um, so, so I, I've never personally had, uh, had any concerns and I've been traveling, not as frequently uh, post, you know, post crisis, but I'm, I'm on an airplane still a couple, you know, oh, more than that, more, more than a couple of times a month, you know, just for business reasons and having to move around. And, and uh, um, it, it's, we've kind of settled into a new normal, you know, I would say in terms of you know, people accepting the process and, and being comfortable, you know, at this point. Yeah. Um, speaking of traveling, I've really hadn't seen this concept before, but any thoughts on, um, any sort of co-chair or cooperation with, for instance, a US, ULCC, like uh, Frontier or Spirit? Because no other ULCC seems to do that. And there's clearly a reason why, but I'm not sure what it is. Yeah. Especially for us, you know, the cross-border traffic and- Right, right. You know, uh, yeah, not, uh, um, yeah, we certainly have no plans for anything like that, Kushro. There was something in Southeast Asia, and I forget what it was called now, but, like uh, Air Asia with I think Cebu Pacific and maybe Tiger. They, they actually created a website that is some synthetic connections and things. Okay. Um, you know, so there is that. And then uh, EasyJet has built in Gatwick um, sort of a synthetic connection model as well. And I think the airport guarantees the connection, you know, sort of guarantees the connection will happen between two carriers and Gatwick. So there's been a little bit of that, um, but I think it's just, you know, it's expensive, it's, yeah. it's costly, it's complicated. And it's almost just better just, you know, let, let, let the, uh, the consumer figure out how to do it, um, you know, and, and just piece two tickets together and, you know, take the risk rather than, than force the coordination. And ultimately, I think what we're all nervous about is if my flight's six hours late and, you know, you miss your connection, who's, who's you know, whose financial responsibility is that, you know, and it just adds, yeah. it adds a lot of cost and trouble, you know. And speaking of um, expensive, given that uh, Swoop operates possibly the most modern aircraft, compared to the 400s that Flair and OWG have. Does WestJet maintain Swoop aircraft given that they have all the infrastructure for it? Or in your bid for uh, differentiation, do you go elsewhere? Yeah, so, um, you know, it, it's another great question. Um, in, in the TechOps case, we do use WestJet to maintain the airplanes, okay. um, but, um, but we don't have to. And so with, with all of our services, we have the flexibility um, to go after whatever's best, you know, to, to choose whatever provider is best for swoop, you know, meaning, you know, the, the lowest cost and best quality. And, uh, um, you know, in, in a tech ops example, um, you know, WestJet is best, you know, and, and uh, but, you know, uh, but it, you know, yeah, we, we, we could certainly use someone else. And there are lots of other examples, uh, you know, good one, like on the, uh, the reservations platform, we use Navitaire, uh, which is now owned by Amadeus and, WestJet uses uh, Saber, but we just, you know, we didn't, uh, you know, we, we didn't need all the bells and whistles and frankly, all the extra cost that comes with, uh, with, with sort of a, you know, um, a big robust uh, PSS like Saber as just as an example. So, so we, 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 we sort of go and, you know, we, we have the flexibility to choose what's best for, for us. Okay. So a question about fleet, Charles, um, as Christian yeah. mentioned airplanes, um, uh, what's your current fleet type? And um, do you have any that, that I guess are grounded because of COVID? 
Yeah, no. So, uh, it, you know, it, um, as you have it in your lovely background there, Kushro, it's <laughs> we've got uh, nine, nine, seven, thirty-seven, eight hundreds right now. Um, they're all uh, roughly six years old. You know, they're all of a you know kind of common vintage, and uh, really happy with that airplane. Um, we have one hundred eighty-nine seats in them, which is the maximum number that. Uh, uh, they're aircraft is certified to carry. It still allows for, um, you know, good seat pitch, uh, you know, as well. I mean, I think we range from 29 to 32 inches. Uh, so we yeah. have some, you know, extra leg room. We can, we, we, we monetize uh, and offer, you know, for, for a greater premium. Um, but, uh, but no, I mean, we're, we're, we're happy. We're happy with the fleet. And uh, yeah, you know, it, it certainly serves, yeah. us, serves us well. Would you consider a fleet type that's, um, Distinct from WestJet, like the 220, the old Bombardier CS series? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, um, I mean, short answer is sure, we could. I mean, it's sort of like the earlier, you know, answer. I mean, you know, the fleet decisions are much bigger than, um, you know, sort of who is a service provider for, <laughs> for something. But, uh, but yeah, uh, you know, I mean, I think we, we certainly could, um, you know, go out and, and uh, you know, pursue a different, a different fleet type. Um, you know, right now, I mean, you know, certainly right now yeah, for us, I mean, you know, we're, we're focused on the recovery and, and uh, you know, I mean, all, all of those kinds of things. So it's certainly not, you know, <laughs> uh, we don't have deep pockets and capital to kind of contemplate those things. Um, you know, I, I don't know much. It's, it's sort of interesting. I mean, I, I feel like the, uh, the 220 might be too small for a ULCC, although perhaps, yeah. you know, there's talk of a bigger model, the 500, you know, down the line. Um, but, but I mean, it, it just comes into economics and the seat cost and the 800 has proven to be a really good, uh, airplane, you know, for ULCCs, yeah. you know, in, in that regard. So, so I, I mean, you know, I, I wouldn't, um, you know, I think we're, we're, we're just kind of following the model that others, others have uh, successfully carried out. Okay. That makes sense. So, um, I saw something and I not been in the Canadian space. I didn't understand what it meant. And it said something yeah. about, um, that soup was offering refunds uh, effective yeah, yeah, yeah. the 21st. Yeah. So what's going on there? What happened? Yeah, so, um, well, you know, the, the first bit of context to understand is that, uh, you know, um, and, and we've been making, you know, it, at a group level, um, you know, a lot as much noise about this as we can. And if you follow, you know, you could jump on and find a lot of uh, news stories about it. Canada is the, um, the, the only developed country, G7 for sure, maybe even G20, that hasn't uh, provided any uh, financial aid to the uh, to the industry, to the airlines or the airports or, or anyone else. And that's part of the reason why uh, I talked about before, you know, we've been seeing these massive rate increases, uh, you know, at, at the airports and uh, by NAV Canada, because they, they've got to sort of balance their books. And, and, you know, as the traffic has declined, they've raised rates. And, you know, you certainly, you look at the CARES Act in the U.S., and I think it was $58 billion that was made available. And, I'm just, you know, Lufthansa, I think has, you know, gotten 10 billion euros or something, you know, you can go up and down, but all, all of these big airlines have gotten, um, you know, quite a bit of financial support. Um, and the Canadian government to this point, um, you know, has not given any. Um, and, uh, and so one of the things, because of that, um, you know, one, one aspect that's been different in Canada um, is, you know, we're, we're regulated by Transport Canada and there's an arm um, under TC um, it's called the uh, Canadian Transportation Agency, the CTA. Um, and so they, they sort of dictate a lot of policies, uh, you know, around pricing rules and various things. And um, so they came out, you know, I think recognizing the, uh, the financial challenges of the industry. Um, and, uh, and, you know, early, I forget exactly when, but early in, in, in the crisis, um, 
you know, said that, it, you know, um, under the circumstances, given the financial difficulty for airlines, um, issuing a travel credit as opposed to uh, cash refunds was acceptable, you know, for Canadian airlines. And, uh, and, and so we, we've been working under that um, guidance, you know, if you will, for the last many months. But as you can imagine, we've been getting a lot of, uh, you know, hearing a lot from, from customers, you know, that, you know, right. who want, uh, you know, a cash refund. And it's been really hard. I mean, you know, um, because you, you know, you feel for people, but you're also trying to save uh, the company and navigate the crisis. And as we're, you know, laying off people and, uh, you know, I mean, it's just, it's a lose-lose all the way around for, for everybody. Um, so what we came out um, and announced, um, I think it was last Wednesday, uh, Kerwin. So, you know, about yeah. uh, a week, you know, about a week ago, as we're talking today, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, what was that, and it's going to take us a number of months. It's going to take us, uh, you know, just getting the process together, but um, we are going to begin um, for those, you know, well, you know, offering uh, to original form of payment uh, refunds kind of going in chronological order. So starting in March, you know, where, where, you know, um, where the airline canceled the itinerary, we'll begin processing those refunds. Um, we obviously hope that people will uh, choose to keep their travel credit and, uh, you know, and, and choose to, to fly with us, but we'll be presenting that as an option and letting people take advantage of that. Um, so that was uh, big news up here. And I think we're the first national airline, um, you know, to, to do that in Canada. Um, you know, and it just, it, you know, the time was kind of right. Um, but, but still we're going to, you know, it's going to take uh, time to process, you know, and kind of work through, work through that backlog. That makes sense because I, I know that um, even, I mean, just worldwide when the crisis happened, a lot of people weren't, a lot of airlines just weren't given refunds because the money just wasn't there. So um, I totally honest. But I saw that I'm like, I'm going to have to ask Charles, what is oh, all yeah. this? Because yeah. no, I, I kept seeing it on all my feeds. So right. thanks for explaining that. It was, it was big news. And, and you know, we were, um, you know, happy to be able to do it. Um, you know, certainly it was the number one thing we were hearing for, for many, many months. And, and, uh, and frankly, it's, you know, it's aligned with our brand and who we yeah. are. Uh, but we just weren't able to do it before now. So cool. Yeah. Um, thank you. Krisha, did you have another one? Um, one far off question. Any plans for London? Because that seems to be a favorite destination for everybody in North America, especially from a place like St. John's, which Air Canada, I think, is, yep. is it a 319 or something? Yeah, and then the Max, and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think we're in six sevens and then the Max, I think, actually, okay. I think about it. You know, the 319 goes across the water. Yeah, no, so, so, but your, your question just about, what about London though? Just for, no, for any time? plans? Or, or for Swoop? Not that yeah, you yeah. would announce them on this show. But. Hey! <laughs> you can make some news. I know, so, right? <laughs> yeah. But you know what? I, I'll tell you what. Um, yeah, you know, um, we do not have, uh, you know, ETOPS. We don't have, uh, you know, okay. the ability, even the range with, with the, uh, the density of the airplane, I think, probably more importantly. With us 189 seats on um and we see yeah I mean, yeah i mean no so short answer no and we got lots of opportunity here with just the nine i mean domestically right. yeah. doing the you know transborder and uh, mexico caribbean there, there's plenty of opportunity you know yeah. for us here yeah. at this point yeah besides you can, you can leave that to westjet to take care of right <laughs> true that's true yeah. <laughs> oh that's cool so um did you have any any anything else you wanted to tell us or any announcements anything else going on like, like what, what's next for soup, you know, once COVID is handled? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, so, so we, uh, we had a big weekend on Sunday going into Toronto, as uh, you know, Kush Road asked, you know, about before, mm-hmm. you know, probably um, 
we haven't really talked about specifically. I mean, you guys can probably imagine this a little bit, but you know, we, we navigated the crisis in kind of an interesting way. Um, and I only came into this role um, in the second half of April, you know, so kind of, you know, right a in month in, you know, if you will, a month <laughs> yeah. into COVID. And, and so, you know, I can't take any credit for this decision, but um, you know, the, uh, you know, the, the bookings were so poor, um, you know, but we also did, we made a decision early on that you kind of have a choice, you know, first of all, to say, you know, do you shut down and just wait, you know, completely and just wait for demand to recover? Or do you just do some minimal level of flying just to, you know, keep, keep the lights on, so to speak. And uh, so we obviously went with the latter, um, but we ended up um, pulling out of a number of cities and we just, we stuck to our main four, mm -hmm. which are Abbotsford near uh, Vancouver, and then up to Edmonton, you know, the capital of Alberta, the next province. And then, uh, Hamilton um, in Ontario, and then Halifax in the Maritimes. So those were our four biggest airports, yeah. and uh, we we created a through flight. And uh, what's really funny is you know, mo uh, most of the Swoop team had never heard of a through flight, didn't really? know what one was, um, and, uh, and 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 I, I knew you'd appreciate this, both you guys. But uh, but even our IT systems, you know, it, you know, it, it never seen. It was it was kind of like back to the nineteen seventies or eighties and old Yeah, right. And so things like having a seat assignment, because we, we were selling a, a ticket, you know, from coast to coast with three stops, right? And uh, same airplane, we were only flying four days a week, you know, so three days we were not flying, four days, we just, you know, literally start on one coast, go all the way across, and then come back the next day. And that was just the minimum level. We called it our swoop sprint. Okay. And, uh, and, and it enabled kind of the essential travel, you know, people who just had to move. And that was when we were having the 70% no-show rates that I talked about. Um, and, uh, and, and so you know, we were doing, oh gosh, I, I guess it was 16 flights a week, 16 flight segments a week and all in the through flight, you know, um, okay. uh, and, you know, that was from uh, Easter Sunday, April 12th until the end of June. And then on July 1st, we just stuck with the same four cities, but then went back to doing out and back flying. So uh, at that point, um, we actually had about the same number of flight segments but because we weren't doing um, the through flights, uh, we had a lot more seats to sell, you know? And, uh, and so we started to see demand pick up a little bit from that base. And then we added in a little bit more, uh, you know, for around holiday weekends, we would add a few more flight segments in, but we were still doing a pretty minimal level of flying such that if you looked at our fleet of nine airplanes, we were only flying them 1.9 hours a day. Uh, compared to 14 that we were doing before yeah. before COVID, you know, um, wow. and so now we're getting up as we as we enter Pearson new markets, um, we're uh, a little bit over three hours, you know, a day. But we did, but it, it's sort of illustrative of uh, still how much further we have to go, yeah. you know, in, 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 in this recovery, you know. So so really for me, I mean that that's probably the the biggest piece is just you, know, you just think like kind of what's next. It's just hopefully just small building blocks, you know, to get us back up uh, to, you know, full employment, full utilization of the airplanes. And, uh, and then we can, and then we can start to then plot, you know, further growth and those kind of things. But it's just, it's, just, it's it, it feels like still a, a pretty long tunnel, you know, a little bit of light at the yeah. end, but, uh, yeah, uh, but it, it's going to be a tough winter, you know, I think with, uh, with what's happening with the virus and, and people's yeah. comfort level traveling and all of that. So so um, any th a lot of these airlines are doing flights to nowhere. Yeah. Uh, any thoughts of doing one of those? No, 
I, you know, no, no, no thoughts at all um, on that. I, you know, it's interesting. I mean, I, you know, I, I know the three of us would happily book one of these. Oh, God, yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, yeah, but I, I, I don't see our country. Yeah, I, I just don't see it up here. And, and uh, I don't know. Anyway, no, no, no plans. Okay. We've been more focused on, uh, I don't know. Um, you know, different, you know, testing and different things to really build, to, to build confidence in the travel versus kind of a one-off kind of gimmick, you know, is how I kind of view that, but okay. still, uh, you know, yeah. Who knows, One right? final selfish question. <laughs> um, are you open to um, listing on sites like ID90 or having said agreements with other airlines for staff travel? Absolutely. My question? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right, cool. Okay. That's good to hear. Um, yeah, absolutely. So uh, you you mentioned something about um, Abbotsville and Vancouver, uh, Abbotsford, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Is the population there enough to sustain uh, Abbotsford? Well, you know, I'll tell you that this is um, well. There is, yeah. I mean, you know, Abbotsford. Um, we have better, uh, you know, relative to Hamilton. Um, you know, I, I think we've, we've got a better track record of, um, of people making the trek out to Abbotsford, you know, and using it yeah. um, relative to Hamilton. So the catchment yeah, area okay. situation is, is just a little bit different, you know, in that regard. Um, yeah. It's, uh, um, but, you know, and, and, and there too, the, uh, the costs in Abbotsford are a lot lower. Uh, it's actually uh, one of only two airports in Canada that has zero departure tax, you know, for um, you know, this AIF fee for, for customers. So that we pass right on to the, to the traveler. Whereas in Hamilton, it's a, it's a $25 uh, and Toronto is also $25. So just from a consumer, you know, that family of four going to Disneyland, I mean, it's a hundred bucks right there, you know? Yeah, um, wow. um, what's, what's really interesting about Abbotsford is it, it's, I think two kilometers. So like a mile from the U S border. Um, so it literally, it's almost like the Tijuana airport on the Mexico side, you know, in San Diego, but it's right on the U S border. Yeah. And, uh, and so people do also drive across to, uh, to Bellingham, Washington, which has, Alaska and Allegiant and a number of others as well. And so it, it uh, um, the competition in that part of the country is quite fierce. And, and, uh, and we've got a great partner in the airport there in Abbotsford um, that, uh, yeah, you know, it, it, it works well. It really does work uh, pretty well for us. We've uh, recently, I think uh, they've created a city code, an IATA city code. So if you pull up Vancouver, Abbotsford is listed as, as one uh, of the airports okay. in the metro area. And uh, you know, and it's kind of funny, they've, they've just, in the last, I don't know, six months, I think, um, allowed ride sharing in British Columbia. Uh, it had been forbidden before this. And so you can now land and get an Uber and there's some, some bus networks, you know, be better, um, there's quite a bit of, of, you know, of service from the airport that then ties into like kind of mini buses that tie into mm -hmm. the city uh, metro, you know, rail network as well. Yeah. So, it, it, you know, it, um, those links work better, you know, ultimately uh, than, than what we've experienced on the other side of the country. That's about uh, 70 yeah. kilometers, right, from Vancouver, about-ish. That sounds about, yeah, yeah. you know, it, it, it's, yeah. that sounds about right. Maybe it, it depends on right. you know, which part of Vancouver, maybe, sounds yeah. maybe a little bit longer. Uh, I mean, yeah. also one final back. question, go into mm. people, um, Charles. Um, what is in Kelowna? Why does every Canadian airline start out flying into Kelowna? Because I looked it up, it's a wine country region. <laughs> right? Yeah, Clearly right, there's something else. 
You know, Kelowna is amazing. Uh, it really is a fantastic place. I recommend it. In fact, you know, I, I think when uh, once the border opens, because, you know, we, we still we haven't even talked about, you know, the U.S.-Canadian border, the land border yes. is closed, um, slammed shut. Um, yeah, I think we need to get Kerwin up to Kelowna and I can help with this or both of you guys and, and, yeah. and do a little, uh, you know, a, a little travel blog uh, article there. It, uh, it's, it's, it's fantastic. It's a fantastic place. So it's, Yes, uh, really. It would have yeah. to be. It, 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 yeah, so so you're right. I mean, it, it's primarily wine country, and and you know, I mean, no different than a Napa or I mean, you know, any of these okay. places. You go to a Stellenbosch in South Africa, or you know, where I mean, you know, you've got lots of wineries, beautiful scenery, okay. um, a, a fantastic lake, you know, and waterfront. Um, the climate is quite temperate, so you know, for Canada, you know, in particular, okay. and so a lot of people have vacation homes there. There's also a really nice ski hill um, called Big White that's right there as well, I and see. so it's just. Uh, it's a nice year-round destination and also kind of a, you know, proper size city in its own right as well. It's really, it's really nice. Yeah. It'll probably be high yield leisure. That's right. More than uh, business. That's very cool. Yeah. 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 Um, anyway, I'll shut up because I know you have to yeah. go. Yeah, no, no, it's, no okay. It's, it's okay. Um, did, did you have time for like maybe five minutes? Because you brought up the border situation and I wanted to see if we could talk about that if you have time. Mm -hmm. We need to be super fast, um, but okay. uh, yeah, I, I, I should do have a call here. Uh, right. Hard stop. It's coming up, but, uh, okay, but go no, ahead. you know, it, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's sad, you know, um, uh, you know, in terms of, you know, just the border, you know, essential travels going back and forth for trade, yeah. um, you know, the trucks with auto parts or food or whatever going back and forth, but uh, you know, the border crossings are down like from 90 to 95%. So, um, and they keep extending it one month at a time. Uh, and yeah, you know, it, it's, it's, uh, you know, it, as close as our two countries are, it, it is, it's a sad statement of, uh, you know, the current state of affairs, yeah. you know? Um, well, yeah. all right. Well, Charles, we, we're going to have to leave it at that because, um, you yeah, run. I'm sorry, guys. uh, no, no, it's okay. I mean, we've had such a great time. So thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for taking Thank you very much, Charles. Yeah, this, this was so much fun. I mean, yep. we have no, to do no, it again no. or we can it. talk longer. Uh, actually, we'll just come up. <laughs> we should. Well, they do that. You know, hey, what's, what's funny, uh, you're both in Houston and I didn't realize it's been way too long. We, we worked together got 20 years ago, you know, um, yeah. the three of us. But um, Calgary and Houston are quite close. Um, you know, they're both oil and gas towns and, mm -hmm. and a lot of my neighbors, um, you know, in fact, everyone has has done a tour in Houston, you know, and they all speak fondly of it, you know, so when you come up here, uh, Calgary and Houston have a lot in common, just, you know, kind of just the, the, the psyche and the, the mentality mm. of the people and so forth. So you'll, you'd feel, besides the weather, you'd feel very much at home. And uh, anyway, you'll have to find, find an excuse to come up here. It'd be great to see you guys. Yeah, we're going to do Thank that. you, Charles. Charles, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Okay, it's a pleasure. So folks, um, Charles had to hop off because he had to... Um, Go manage an airline. So, what did you think of the interview, Kasha? I thought it went very smoothly. I don't know where the time went, and it was—I literally saw him after probably close to twenty years. And you're right; he hasn't aged a bit. I know. Look at that, right? Yeah, and he's still bubbly, oh. still energetic. So, um, I especially love when he said that um, the airlines—they uh, didn't have the through flights, <laughs> and so. Uh, and, and just so you guys understand what the through flight is, it's just a flight that makes multiple stops at the same flight number. And, uh, and in the, com the computer systems are usually not um, set up to, to, to fix, um, to see that. 
So um, I'm pretty sure the IT guys had to make some changes uh, in there. But you know, from a revenue management point of view, those uh -huh. are a pain to manage, to handle. <laughs> well, because you're trying to think, do I sell the, yes. the, 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 A, the, A, yes. the A to C and uh, how many of B to C? You know who had trouble with that? Yep. Um, so Ethiopian had a flight that so. went from uh, uh, Addis to, to um, Dublin and then Dublin to LA. And they had that problem. They eventually stopped the flight. I think it just that they, they stopped the Dublin LA portion. Um, yeah, that was the reason they, you had to figure out how do you how do you get the most out of the flight, and so do you hold the seats because um, you don't you don't want the the Dublin LA piece yeah. to be empty, and you don't want the Dublin um, to Addis piece to be empty, and you do want people to buy the most expensive thing, which is. Um, Addis to LA, so it's really difficult. Uh, but no, I thought it was good. No, it's it, good it, to see him. I'm glad you organized this. Yeah, it's and it, it gave us a good perspective of what's going on with the uh, with Canadian aviation. Um, so they, of course, had their own challenges. And I didn't realize that they didn't get a subsidy. Mm -hmm. so, um, yeah, so that's uh, that's interesting that they're still yep. able, you know, able to. I think Britain also didn't give VA. Or Virgin, yeah. anything. Interesting, but then Virgin has to do yeah. their own restructuring. Yes. Yeah, right. right. And B and BA in essence did their own restructuring because they got rid of a whole bunch of people as well. Mm. Yeah. All right. But anyway, so um, that was the uh, I can't even tell you what number. I think it's I think this is actually episode forty-seven, and we're recording this on Wednesday, October twenty-eighth, and. Um, uh, it, it was fun. It was really good uh, catching up with Charles. Remember, we are on Spotify and uh, we are on Apple and we are on Amazon and basically all the podcast networks. Just search for what's happening in travel. And so this is Kerwin and everybody. And we are signing off from another episode of What's Happening in Travel. <laughs>